morning, St. Michael's, will you stand? Lord, we are just so grateful to be in your presence this morning. Throughout all the chaos, throughout everything that's going on in the world, we know that we're living in your victory. We're standing in that. We're proclaiming that, Lord. Be with us here this morning as we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.
especially remember today uh, Father Jim Yance. He's our rector in our church down in Oceanside in Carlsbad area. And uh, he picked up the bug, but he's doing just great. He's doing just great. The Lord's with him and uh want to pray for his wife and daughter also. They're at home. They never had to go to the hospital at all. But it's around, but we're not afraid. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desire is known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Merciful Lord, grant you absolution remission of all your sins true repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
God's all over that song today, and I want you to just encourage yourself, step out of your boat, lift your hands, and sing that prayer. Sing that declaration, I believe you. I believe you. I believe the promises, Lord, that you brought me my whole life. And I'm watching, Lord, as you make me and mold me into that being that you want me to be. Watch. You watch. God doesn't touch you.
Don't say, Jesus, heal them. Say, be healed in my name. The Lord says, we've been waiting all heaven and earth for you to declare my promises for their yes and amen, says the Lord. And even this day, I'm changing things. I'm turning things around. We've been declaring how bad things are and what the devil's doing. But the Lord says, why would you glorify what the enemy's doing and give him praise and glory? For the Lord says, I'm God. Nothing happens that I don't know about it and that I can handle. And I'm moving even now, saith the Lord in this church. For I'm blowing on those embers again, saith the Lord. And you're going to see a great revival here. So be encouraged. Speak my name. Just say, be healed in Jesus' name. The Lord be with you. With you, Spirit. Let's pray together to collect. Oh God, because without you we are not able to please you, mercifully grant that your Holy Spirit may in all things direct and rule our hearts. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Children? Amen. You know, scripture says, unless you be like children, you can't even enter into the economy of the kingdom of God. Lord, we just pray that we always remain like children in that respect, Lord. That we constantly look to you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, bless these children. Open their minds to learn all the wonderful things about you and about your kingdom, that they might be more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen? See you guys. Our first reading comes from Isaiah, chapter 50, beginning in verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. I gave back to those, I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. Surely the Lord God will help me. 
Who is he who will condemn me? Indeed, they will all grow old like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in the darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. Look, all who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with sparks, walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks you have kindled. This you shall have from my hand. You shall lie down in torment. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 19. We'll read responsibly by the asterisk. The heavens declare the glory of God. Day and to day utter speech. There is not speech nor language. Where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth. And their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Which is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. And rejoices like a strong man to run its race. Its rising is from one end of heaven and its circuit to the other end. And there is nothing hidden from its seat. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey in the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. And in keeping them there is great reward. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. This morning's second reading comes from the book of James, chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. The word of the Lord. Dear God, please stand for the reading of the gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark. Glory be to thee, O Lord. St. Mark, chapter 8, beginning at verse 27. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And on the road he asked his disciples, saying to them, Who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should tell no one about him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. He spoke this word openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. When Jesus had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. The Gospel of our Lord. To the Lord Christ. You may be seated. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, we just pray that the words that are spoken today, that are heard today throughout this entire service, the words that are sung, Lord, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, make them alive in us, that you would transform us as we encounter you in the worship, in the word, in singing, and in breaking of bread. And I just thank you for this opportunity that we have to be in your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to take one more sip of water. I saw a comedian recently, and he had this great thing with the water, so it wasn't distracting, where as soon as everybody started clapping for one of his jokes, that was his opportunity to take a drink of water. But for some reason, I just don't have enough confidence that I'm going to get you all to spontaneously burst into applause this morning, so I'm going to go ahead and take a sip uh, before we start. So obviously, if you've been paying attention the past couple days, you've seen a lot of posts about 9-11 and the tragedy that happened 20 years ago yesterday. Um, I know Haley and I read through the transcript of the phone call of the man who was on United Flight 93. His name was Todd. I don't remember his last name, but he is talking to the dispatcher, talking about his children. It's amazing. It's amazing um, the courage that was displayed on that day. And although we remember the tragedy and the evil that was committed, I am so much more impressed by the stories of courage that are circulating and that are coming out. And at the end, you know, they pray the Our Father and Psalm 23. And it's just like, could you imagine how real those words were to him? And yet sometimes we just 
don't even pay attention when the reading of the word is happening in our midst. And I'm convicting myself. I'm not saying you guys are so evil. I'm just saying, like, we just sometimes need to be reminded in those national tragedies, those great moments of evil and triumph and courage and everything that happened there. Let's not be so inured and so busy that we miss it. We miss the reminder that God is good and God is faithful even in the midst of the greatest evils. And we have a good God. And so just as an introduction to what we're talking about today, um, let's just remember who God is in the midst of all of that. And maybe, you know, maybe that's part of what was so anointed about the worship this morning is the fact that we're declaring truth in a world that has lost its bearings on truth. We'll talk a little bit about that as we kind of move through this, but uh, I just hope that you're encouraged by the goodness of God and not weighed down by the tragedy of the world. I hope that you can find that proper balance where you really do trust God is better than the evilest and the deepest suffering in this world, and that ultimately all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. So we're going to read out of uh, Psalm 19 this morning. We're just going to start right away in Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. This is a fascinating passage right in the beginning, and I don't want to break down all of the implications because we'd be here for a long time. This is like a really central passage that links to a lot of stuff. But we need to remember that all that is good in the world is reflecting God to us. And that in later in the scriptures, Paul says in the New Testament, basically nobody has any excuse to not know the Lord because he is trying to reveal himself through every aspect of this world. He is seeking the hearts of men. I think sometimes we get lost in our pluralistic society where we see, you know, oh, but these good people, you know, these good people who are atheists, you know, they're just so good. Um, even in the midst of the fact that they don't believe in God. And I think absolutely God can bring grace and goodness out of anybody in the world. But I want us to hold fast to the fact that the ultimate truth, the spirit of life that renews the world is only found in Jesus Christ. And so if we are not as the visible body of Christ on the world coming together, sharing that good news then actually we're depriving our community, our neighborhood, our nation of the hope of the world. I say that because I think sometimes we're intimidated into silence by a lot of the culture that basically says, who are you to say that your faith is the one faith? Who are you to say that your God is the one God? I just want you to think about the fact, look, God has made himself abundantly known. And just as nobody in the world has an excuse to say, well, he didn't talk to me. He never revealed himself to me. He's like, well, what do I do with the sunrise every morning? What do I do with making the oceans and the mountains? You know, I just want you to know that the whole world, the universe is permeated with the love of God. And don't be intimidated into silence thinking, well, maybe there's too many other ways to serve God. There's many paths to the Lord. No, it's Jesus. People need to know Jesus. So as we go through that, what the psalmist is doing is he's actually setting up this contrast 
or, or I should say he's starting, it's like a funnel. He's starting, ultimately, God reveals himself in all of creation and he uses the sun as an example. And then he funnels down, but you know what's so good about being an Israelite, which we get to participate in through the grace of Jesus Christ? You know what's so good about being the chosen people of God is that not only does he reveal himself in the world, but he reveals himself through the specific revelation of the law of God, which often we think, oh, great, more rules. But I want to talk through some of these verses and explain why the law of God gets so much attention throughout the Bible. Why we should love the elsewhere in Psalm 119, it says, oh, how I love your law. And it's like that, oh, is an exclamation. Like, it's ultimately good. I'm so excited about the law of God. Like, okay, geek, nerd. But there's something deeply good about God's law that we want to kind of explore as we go through these next few verses. We're going to go in verse 7 of Psalm 19, and he has these couplets that are these beautiful poetry where he's basically saying these statements, and they're all in the same format, and this was meant to be chanted and sung. And so he's writing a song that we're studying today, and we're going to study it as like truth claims or as like little predicates, but I want you to remember that this is like a song. This is supposed to be beautiful and good, and there's something about it that's even more true because it's beautiful and even more beautiful because it's true, right? The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. When I was thinking about that one, I was like, man, that's a little bit difficult to tease out because I think there's a lot in there. Um, But then I thought of this show we've been watching recently, uh, my kids and I, called Iron Chef. We've been watching some reruns. You guys may have caught it sometimes on the TV And I was thinking about when you're watching Iron Chef, there's some fun moments, right? One time this guy was uh, cooking stuff and putting it together. And Alton Brown's always trying to guess. You know, I love Alton Brown as one of the hosts of the one I was watching. And he's trying to guess what he's making. He's like, I think he's making scallop ice cream. And you're like, ugh. That doesn't sound great. He's like, no, yeah, he's feeding it. He's pureeing. He's putting in the ice cream. It's going to be a scallop ice cream. And I was thinking about that. There's a reason why. They have hand-picked panelists on this show, and they didn't just grab some average Joe off the street because it takes a lifetime of work to appreciate scallop ice cream, okay? It takes training, and there's actually something that, where there is a development of your taste as you go, and, you know, Rowan and Ruby are like, I'll eat all of that, but they, if I were to put it in front of them, like, they're, they're not going to eat it, right? I know them. I know them. There's something when you're born where your taste is actually not fully developed. You actually have to train yourself to desire the good foods. And anybody who's ever tried to feed a toddler knows that, right? It's like pizza, chicken fingers, like they love that. And they haven't ever met steak, you know, and it doesn't matter if you give them a filet. Most of them don't care. They'd rather have the pizza or the chicken fingers, and I use that as just a simple example of how the law of God, the Lord, is perfect, converting the soul. Let me give one more example as we kind of move through this idea of taste. We, I, I moved to Boston whenever I went to college. And let me just say, my friends were like, oh, yeah, we're going out to this Mexican food restaurant. 
it was a little too far from Mexico, if you know what I mean. And I don't mean in geographical location. It was not good Mexican food. And in some ways, us in Southern California, we're spoiled. We've actually learned to appreciate really good Mexican food. And so I'm trying to explain to my friend from Arkansas, like, uh, this doesn't really taste like the Mexican food I grew up eating, you know, without being harsh. But he loved it. He's like, this is great, you know. And... um There's something when you're exposed to the real and the authentic, the good, that makes it harder to appreciate the cheap, the fake, the bad, right? Now, I did find good Mexican food there because I couldn't have lived there for seven years without finding some good Mexican food somewhere. But the point that I'm trying to bring home is that that's what the law of God does for us. We actually are born with a taste for anger, for cruelty, for jealousy. And we're actually born with these tastes that are not proper to God's holy will in our life. You can see it in kids. They are experimenting and they act out. Somebody takes something they don't want. Immediate, just a flare-up of anger like you've never seen. You know, it's like all of a sudden it just bursts out of them. And the point of the matter is, is that God's law through the parents and through their teachers enters into their life and trains them to love goodness and mercy and kindness. And hopefully as they grow up, you know, train them in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. Hopefully by the time they've grown, they actually have a a desire for the law of God and the things of God. You can probably think of different sins in your life that in middle school were really appealing and you have no interest in now. Maybe it's gossip, right? In middle school, it's like, oh, did you hear about this guy and what he did? And then over time, hopefully God starts to work on your heart. And then you look back on the ways that you behaved in middle school and you're like, man, I was a real jerk. I have no desire to treat people that way. That's the law of God that's perfect that converts the soul. That's converting us as we grow. And then we move on, and the couplet that's paired with that is the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I want to be wise. I will tell you that. If there's one thing in all of Scripture that I want, it's wisdom. I read the Solomon story, right? When God asks you what you want, you ask for wisdom. Because what wisdom does is it gives you the ability to act rightly. It gives you the knowledge of what right action is. And so what is the psalmist teaching us about how to gain wisdom? It says the testimony of the Lord is sure. So what are we talking about with testimony? It's when somebody shares a story of something that has happened in their life. Uh, My example here is if you have a friend that you know really well, a generous friend who's been there for you in times of need, who has wisdom and you you have this relation that that has developed as you engage with them, like, man, every time I spend time with them, I just am so encouraged by their behavior, by how they act, by what they do. And then somebody comes in and says, hey, your friend, we'll use the name Bob, your friend Bob just robbed the CVS down the street. What's your first thought? Well, that's That can't be true because the testimony that you have of your interactions with God, uh, Bob, (laughs) their interactions with Bob actually inform you about who Bob is. And I don't think Bob would rob a CVS. And so then you go out looking and you find out, oh, no, it wasn't that Bob. It was another Bob, whatever the misunderstanding was. My point that I'm trying to say is that that's what we do with God. You develop this relationship with God. 
where he comes through for you when you need him, where he provides for you when you need him, when he guides you when you need him, when he's always loving towards you. And then when something happens where you're like, man, where was God? Instead of immediately jumping to, well, God must not love me, you think, no, that's not true. Because remember that time when I was down and out and God showed up? Remember that time when I didn't know what to do and God showed up? That's the testimony of the Lord. That's the sure testimony of our God. When you recount the things God has done, you see the consistency of the love and faithfulness that he has. In the Old Testament, Israelites had this practice where they would read at every feast day the story of all the ways that God had come through for them. You know, he saved us from Egypt. He walked us through the desert. He brought down the walls of Jericho. And they would just, a lot of the Psalms, you see this, they're just piling on God's rap sheet, you know, his character traits. And they get to know him through how he interacts with them. And so when it says the testimony of the Lord is sure, it makes wise the simple. What they're saying is the more you know of God, the more you know about him, the more wise you will be as you grow with him. And then the next one says, And this one might be one of the harder to illustrate. The statues of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. I know that I don't like rules. I don't know, something in me ever since I was a little kid, I've never liked somebody telling me what to do. I've learned to live with it. I've learned to obey. I've learned the goodness and the anointing that comes with obedience. And more and more, I crave the law of God as I grow. But my natural tendency is to want to do anything but what I've been told to do. And so what does it mean that the statues or the written laws of God are delightful? They rejoice the heart. What are are we talking about? Well, I just thought as I was writing this of the heartbeat law that was passed in Texas that you might have heard of, right? A law that says you can't abort a baby once there's a heartbeat, saving hopefully thousands and thousands of lives. That's a statue that rejoices my heart, right? That's a statue I can get behind. And that's the laws of God, the laws that preserve life, that bring abundance and joy, And I want to say there, you've probably also seen the reaction against the heartbeat law in the media and social media among friends, people who are disgusted and offended by this law that protects the unborn. So what does that illustrate for us? It illustrates the fact that people do need the law of God to change their taste, like I was saying earlier, right? People need to actually be transformed in their desires. And so when we talk about this, I want you to think of the fact that there's probably a law of God. I want us to put ourselves in this place. There might be, let's say, a law of God that you would respond to with the same type of anger and offense that people are responding to this heartbeat law that's so clearly just in our eyes. Is there somewhere where God has asked you to do something or required you to do something and your response is anger? And maybe ask yourself, is that something that God wants to change in my heart? Because somehow I'm supposed to love the law of God. He'll bring you there. He'll bring you through it. And I think once you try it, I'm just going to, it's almost like tasting things with my kids. It's like, just try it. Just try following the law of God and watch and see if he transforms your heart towards it. Right? Now I want to make one comment. We're talking about law, law, law. 
you have to know that every law of God is about relationship with him and relationship with one another. It's not a dry expectation so that you fulfill his list of demands. In fact, the way God communicates his law throughout Scripture is not primarily through rules. It's actually through stories. It's through stories of how he came through for men. And he gave them a law, and they broke it, and he rescued them, and then they followed it, and they were blessed, and then they broke it, and he rescued them, and then he followed it, and they were blessed, and then he rescued them. It's a relationship that he's developing, not a system of rules and demands that we must succumb to. It's actually trying to teach us how to engage with the loving Father, and furthermore, how to engage with each other. Because trust me, I need help in learning how to love you guys, (laughs) not really just you guys in particular, but I need help in learning how to love my fellow man. There are people that I struggle to love. I'm sure you guys have never experienced that, you holy people. But there are people that come into our lives that for whatever reason, they rub against us the wrong way. And so when the laws of God are embraced in your life, it's not so that you can be the perfect robot that does checks all the boxes. It's so that those relationships can be transformed to ones of self-sacrificing love. And you know what? When that happens, believe it or not, even though you are sacrificing yourself, God is able to bring heaven to earth in those types of relationships. I've seen it. People have sacrificed for me left, right, and center so that I can be where I'm at today. So that's what the laws of God are about. They're about relationship. Next one we'll talk about briefly is the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. I've got about 70 things that I want to say about this, but I'm just going to say one today because I think this is really profound, that actually our very seeing of the world is related to the commandments of our God. There's a story that you may recognize because it's a generalized story, but I've seen it many times, where you'll have somebody who's on fire for God, they're serving in the church, They're just, I'm going to talk about from the guy's perspective because that's what I know, but I know what happens in the female's perspective. And then they get a girlfriend and then they move in with their girlfriend. And the next thing you know, their question to the youth pastor is, man, I don't think God really exists. What do you think happened in there? When we stray from the commandments of God, it actually affects our very ability to see God in our life, right? It's a hard word, but it's, it's very recognizable. I use that as a stark example that I've seen multiple times. I just generalized the story, but I've actually seen this happen in my friends' lives before. And maybe they didn't move in with them, but I knew they were living in some sort of sin, and all of a sudden they have all these reasons why God can't exist or they can't see the goodness of God in their life. That's the stark example, but I want to bring it back to our experience today. Maybe you miss spending time in prayer or in Scripture or at just any time at all with God for a couple of weeks. And all of a sudden, when you think of God, you don't think of the loving, revealing God that you have known, but you think of a distant and disappointed father who's mad at you. I don't know if you've seen that, but when you, you, you catch sin in your own life, and all of a sudden God becomes a big bad guy that you're afraid of. If you start to recognize a fear or a thought that God might be mad at you, then it might be an indication that you need to check yourself. Because you know what? The one thing I can guarantee you God is not, is not bad. Not at you. He loves you. We say it every Sunday. God is not mad at you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. 
So if you think God's distant, just take a look. Now, 100%, I don't want this to be some guilt message. It's like, well, God feels distant. I must be a terrible sinner. You're reading it completely backwards. It's like, if God feels distant and there's something you can do to reconnect with him, he is jumping at the opportunity to insert himself into your life, to reconfirm his love for you. I know I've seen that where maybe I've, whatever, spent time where I didn't feel like I was doing what God wanted me to do. And when I come back to him, I always think he's going to just be like, man, Jesse, you messed up. Like, what the heck? And every time he's like, hey, I love you. I'm so excited to be with you. I'm so excited to be in your presence. Thank you for taking the time to meet with me today. Remember who God is and know that our behavior actually changes how we perceive him. Okay, last verse here. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Now I'll just mention, clean here is talking about like pure and good. It's not like you washed your hands, you know. What the fear of the Lord is clean means is that when you put God in his proper place, then you're actually made pure in your intention, in your heart. Because the fear of the Lord is about recognizing who God is. Because if you knew him, you'd have a holy respect for that man, <laughs> that God, that God man who is Jesus, all those things. Like, you, if you really paid attention to who he is, you'd have a little fear in a holy sense. Not in the sense, right, because we read later, perfect love cast out all fear. So what's the difference here? We're talking about two different things. We're not talking about a fear that draws away, but a fear that draws close. The closest thing that I can think to describe it is when, <laughs> is when I'm chasing Ruby, my little daughter, and she's running around on her little waddly legs, and I'm like making sounds like, Arr, I'm going to get you. And sometimes she just, especially a couple months ago, she went through this phase, but she would just turn and run towards me and try and hug me because she was so scared of what was happening. She's like, I just need to be reconnected with you. And so I use that as kind of a silly example, but there's something about that when you realize the, like she knew she couldn't get away from me. So she's just like, I'm just going to connect. I'm just going to run in. I'm just going to go to the source of safety. Maybe an imperfect example, but it comforts me to think of God that way. That when we're afraid, when we realize who he is, we actually dive in deeper and want to connect deeper with him. Okay, the judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And the second part of this is what I love. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. I will say that in a world that has largely fractured into an infinite web of competing moral claims, what would you give for true and righteous judgment? Let me tease that out a little bit. We were even talking in the bishop's office earlier about the contradictions that have been put out by the media about how we're supposed to respond to COVID-19. And if you've been paying attention at all, you know that since, it, since we had this beginning of 2020, there's been 17 different things that you're supposed to do or not do that have flip-flopped back and forth. And it's created a lot of fear and confusion because people want to do the right thing, and they don't know what the right thing is. And then there's competing voices. Some people say do this. Some people say do that. Well, you know what is true? The judgment of the Lord is true. And so if you're having difficulties navigating this world and the complexities, and trust me when I say it is even more complex than we think it is, I promise you, because each individual is a bundle of infinite complexity. 
It says, who can know the heart of the Lord? Only God can search his steps. The heart of man, only God can search his steps. I might have said that wrong. But the point is that there is infinite complexity out there, and the only judgment that we can constantly rely on is God's. And so why wouldn't we desire that more than gold? I know I do. I want to know what he wants me to do. I want to know his judgment. I want to be able to discern good from evil. It's sweeter than honey in the honeycomb. We're told by Jesus that to know the truth is to be set free. And as we look out into our world, that can be a really tall order. We can feel pretty overwhelmed trying to discern what the truth is. But what we've been talking about today is the fact that we are not left guideless or anchorless in this world. In fact, we are given the law of God, the testimony of God, the statues of God, the commandments of God, and the judgments of God to base our life on. And that brings us back to Isaiah. For the Lord God, this is verse 7, will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. He is near who justifies me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near me. So what is he saying? Isaiah is saying that in the midst of a chaotic world full of evil, death, suffering, I can set my face like stone towards God. I know my orientation. I know who will justify me. I won't be ashamed. And then he calls out, and I love this for us this morning, who will contend with me? He's asking, who's going to stand with me facing God and his purposes? Let's stand together. He's not saying who will fight me in this moment if you look at the language. It's actually who's going to contend on my behalf with me. And that's why all of us get together on Sunday mornings, because we are contending in the world for the goodness of God in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And then who is my adversary? Let him come near me. That's some boldness. Who is against me? Come near me and see what God will do. Why is Isaiah doing this? Because he's so righteous that he can just wither all contempt. No, he's doing it because all of that stuff we talked about, the law of God, is not just for him. It's for Israel, who he loves. It's for the people of God. It's for a nation that he's a part of that is going the wrong way. You read Isaiah's story, it's pretty sad. We get really depressed about where America's at. Just look at Israel during Isaiah's time and Jeremiah's time, and you'll be impressed with how far we've come. But the point is that when we set our face like flint, when we set our countenance facing God and we pursue him, that we're actually able to do that on behalf of our community and our nation. So I'm just going to read James 1, and we'll end that as a prayer or as an encouragement as we end this sermon this morning. And in the context of everything we've said, it really feels like a tall order to love all the commandments of God. And since I can't read them all, I figure we'll just end with this passage, and this is hard enough, at least for me. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Gets me right there. Uh, Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Amen? Amen.
prayers for the people. They're in your sight. Father, we pray for your that holy Catholic church. Grant that every member of the church may truly and humbly serve you. That your name may be We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons. May be faithful ministers of your word and sacraments. We pray for all who govern and hold authority in the nations of the world. There may be justice and peace on the earth. Give us grace to do your will in all that we undertake, that our works may find favor in your sight. Have compassion on those who suffer from any grief or trouble, that they may be delivered from their distress. Give to the departed eternal rest, that thy perpetual shine upon them. We praise you for your saints who have entered into joy. May we also come to share in your heavenly kingdom. Heavenly Father, we just pray that the word that we heard today, Lord, would quicken our hearts, that we might accelerate our attempts, Lord, to cooperate with you and to see you integrate into our lives actions that speak louder than words. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace. morning. I'm doing good, Bishop. I had a great week. <laughs> and I'm looking to have an even better one next week. Amen. I had a sense of that. So, yeah, we're excited. My, uh, my son William's recovering really well, and he should be hopefully getting a clear bill of health here either Monday or Tuesday this week. Amen. Uh, I want to let the guys know we've got flyers in the back for the men's retreat. Um, pick, pick one of those up and really pray about if you can get there in November. There's been a lot of like resistance to getting this thing scheduled and actually having it. Um, and that just tells me we might be on the right track. And so I, I really want you men out there to pray about coming to this. Bring in uh, any one of your teenagers, 13 and up, uh, out, and just seeing what God will do when you set aside just a couple days. Uh, he's always faithful to speak to you and uh, lead you. So please grab one of those flyers. I'll be out there handing them out. And uh, I know, Bishop, you had said you really felt like God wanted to move in this men's retreat this year. So No, I, I absolutely know he's going to. It's, uh, we have good ones and we have uh, great ones. This one's <laughs> going to be a great one. Amen. And, uh, you know, you just get a sense about that. Sometimes we go out there and we just have a great time of fellowship and, and getting to know each other again. And sometimes God moves profoundly, individually in our lives. There's a lot of that that goes on. I sense this might be one of those more spiritual moments in our life.
Mm-hmm. Well, Kathy Davidson, Bishop Davidson's better half, is with us today. She brought the prophetic word to us. Do you have any uh, news, anything going on? And, uh, why are you out here? <laughs> Amen. All right. <laughs> It's uh, really an amazing, wonderful thing. The church community that we belong to, we're all, you know, integrated in, in more ways than uh, just a church membership. This is, this is so, so great, you know. I feel that comfortable when I go back there. They're just uh, us, and uh, we got all these great people from Michigan. We don't even like Michigan. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I like Michigan. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You do. No, we, we like Michigan just fine. All right, go All right so a healthy baby boy, right? Friday with a lot of black hair. <laughs> so congratulate, congratulate Jason and Mikola. <laughs> All right. Uh, ladies get together next Saturday. Men, like three Saturdays from now, and we have our Feast of St. Michael's potluck coming up in October. Keep all those on your calendars. You bet. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, Through Christ, let us continually offer to God sacrifice of praise that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him and for those who want to love him even more. Come, you who have much faith and you who have little. You who have been here often and you who haven't been here long. You who tried to follow and you who failed. Come. It's the Lord who invites you. It's his table. He wants those who want him that they should meet him right here. And so come this morning, please. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. (laughs) Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death. He's called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory, and we join in your unending hymn of praise. Lord, you're holy indeed, the fountain of all holiness. Let your Holy Spirit come upon these gifts to make them holy, so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he's given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to the disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup, 
We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all of us who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of the clergy. Remember those who are sick, infirm, in spirit, soul, or body. We hold up this day. Connie and Susan and Carl and Serena, Naomi, Sanji and Sandra and Karen and Tammy and Maria and Kyle and Jean, Mario and Patrick, Jason, Romano, Lyle, Laura, John Mark, Lance Corporal Vargas, Robert, our Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton and all those who serve in our armed forces. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and the broken. And as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to share eternal life with the apostles, the martyrs, and all of the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him and with him and in him in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours. Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Amen. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, and we have courage to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our communion, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us in the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. O Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. The gifts of God for the people of God, take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. The body of Christ, the cup of my salvation, the blood of the Lord.
graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and signals of heart. Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell, Satan, and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Remember the gospel, God is in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him. And he loves us. He's forgiven us. He's not angry with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. And the blessings of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you. Remain with you always. Amen. Rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Hey, look.